Yes, I can understand that she amuses, but to let her kiss you, stroke your hair, that's hardly in your line. It's not that I object to her profession, but she doesn't fit in well with what you teach and say. It doesn't help us if you're inconsistent. Ooh. Hey, I only need a small excuse to put us all away. Who are you who to criticize her? Who are you who do you despise her? Leave her, leave her, leave her be now. Leave her, leave her, she's with me now. If your slate is clean, then you can throw stones. If your slate is not, then leave her alone. <laughs> All right, everyone. Damn, that's that was a raggedy ass vocal fry, Jesus. That, I am. I think all Jesus is, is raggedy as vocal fry on that well, part. Yeah, everyone I've heard. The OST part, yeah. When you sing, when you say "Leave her alone," I think you're supposed to leave her alone. <laughs> um, I'm filmmaker, comedian, podcaster Michael Swaim here to talk to Buddhist monk, air battle manager, ultra marathon runner, and rocket scientist Griffin Rowell about science or whatever. And this is that show. Hey, Griffin. Hey, Michael. Also, I just need to make a small excuse here. Uh, the lyrics you sent me cut off the first letter of they, and they only and need a small hey. excuse to put, put us away. So if you notice that, that's that's what happened there. I had to remember. You actually that. did say hey, which I thought I said, was funny. I that said you were... hey, because I remember. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to, you know, anyone's You sang on... circles around me this time, man. I, that was really beautiful. I, uh, well, well, thank you. Except for I think the very first line yeah, we it's were a, off on the it's a, well, it's hard. Yes, I can understand that she. Oh, you're right. Uses. I should have listened. It's like a longer thing. Yeah. Uh, should we do it again? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here we go. No, okay. no, 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 no. We won't um, do it. We won't do it. We'll get. But we were seriously talking about if people want. <laughs> Because we're doing each song in chronological track order. We're just doing 16 bars from each one for each episode. If the show Science or Whatever gets to the point that we complete the musical, these little tastes, these delicious little tastes, and people are dying or clamoring for a whole album where (laughs) just Griffin and I do all of Jesus Christ Superstar, I mean, who are we to say no? I, I it would be a lifelong dream fulfilled. We've been talking about this since we were uh, eight or something. No, we were specifically talking about going to an open mic at a bar and doing the part where Jude, where Pilot whips Jesus forty nine times, and I was just gonna go bang, 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 and you were just gonna go one. one. <laughs> but two. Wouldn't, but doesn't that just show the limits of our imagination when we were younger? Now, now, yeah. now we have the hubris to think we could do an entire now, acapella. Like we could easily Jesus do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, okay, anyways, so let we'll us definitely know. do that. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is episode two of our four-part miniseries about the metaverse, and we're calling it Into the Metaverse, because I like Into the Spider-Verse. That's all. <laughs> and uh, what's the topic today, Griff? So the topic today is going to be an overview of the, uh, I'll call them like the legacy platforms that are kind of, that are vying for this 
metaverse. And all of them are seeing this as a view of a multi-trillion dollar uh, market that they can, you know, capitalize on because they're big giant corporations. <laughs> couple interesting things. As we record this, it was just announced Jack Dorsey is stepping down as the CEO of Twitter. Um, I know Twitter is not Facebook and Facebook is the one called Meta now, but it seems adjacent and relevant. And yeah, last time if this, so this is part two, if you missed part one, look for that where we defined metaverse and talked about what the metaverse is. So in order to get deeper, we're not going to recap. We're going to assume you listen to part one and we have a basic understanding of the terms so we can get a little deeper now. Um, so now we're talking about Who's gonna metaverse, right? <laughs> Who's gonna do Who's it? Gonna, that's yeah. And the way that you said that is actually a point of contention right now. So I'll just throw this out there. Uh, when you hear a CEO talk about building a metaverse, watch out. Uh-huh. Watch out for that person. We can talk about it a little bit more later, but just just cue your mind for that. Prime it. Meaning the word a. Uh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is actually the problematic word there. That's it, interesting. It, 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 it shows a perspective that is, uh, uh-huh. it is, it is counter to what a lot of people are thinking. So, um, so we're not going to recap, but I think Snow Crash, maybe starting every episode off with we'll a little bit of again. Snow Crash. Um, snow Crash, woo! So, the, so Snow Crash is a dystopian sci-fi book, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the metaverse in Snow Crash is kind of this corporatocracy uh actually i I guess the real world in snow crash is a corporatocracy (laughs) um and there's some like vague mention of how the metaverse works that only giant corporations can do anything inside of it um but it does also have this weird anarchic you know through line going through it well there's big lawless areas but Everyone lives in burb claves, which are like if you lived in a gated community that was sponsored by Pizza Hut, which is oh, it's such a good book. Like that's such spot on satire. Yeah. <laughs> that in the future, people live in heavily armed gated communities that are like Pizza Hut presents Verizon community. <laughs> that's where you live. Um, and in between, it's just a lawless wasteland like Mad Max. Yeah. Or, or Nazis, right? Aren't there like a bunch of white supremacists? Yeah, there's, a white, there's a white supremacist burb clave, which seemed far-fetched at the time and now seems like, <laughs> no, that's, that makes sense. Seems like Neil Stevenson may be some sort of time traveler. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that's kind of the backdrop of what the metaverse is in this book. And, you know, you can kind of see... You can project the future from where we are now that it it could either, maybe not, maybe it's not binary, but there is this large corporate interest made up of Facebooks and and the other companies we're going to talk about today. And then there's this kind of what hero is, right? In in Snow Crash, she's this hacker who understands this, this thing that is the metaverse in ways that these large corporations uh, don't and moves much more quickly through it. He's also poor and lives in a shipping Mm -hmm. container. So there's that. Um, And the next Mm -hmm. two episodes are going to really focus on this dichotomy here. So this one, and I'll, I'll I'll just admit that this topic is less uh, interesting to me. The, The large, large corporations basically giving an overview of, a free advertisement to all of these giant companies. Um, Mm. And then the next episode, which we are going to be uh, recording from within 
a digital world built uh, out of a it's called WebXR um, technology. Yeah, this is the first I'm learning this, but apparently we will record our next episode in the metaverse, and uh, we'll see if we can upload a video of that to our YouTube. So check that out. Yeah, and I'm not. Uh, I'm building it, and I'm not an expert builder, so uh, don't mm-hmm. be too harsh with me. But but I want to do it because I think I think it's important for people to see that these technologies are already out there for them to use, um, and uh, and we'll get there next time. But have you used Tabletop Simulator in Steam? Uh, no, I haven't. Is that a metaverse? I don't know. What, <laughs> it I, what can it... simulate any tabletop board game experience, and you can build your own board games within it fairly easily. Oh. And you all meet and you sit around a board, you know, a table, and you play the game physically. Well, I think that I think that first of all, that sounds really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good for pandemics, but. I think um, I think the deeper question is n- no, that wouldn't be the metaverse. But those kinds of technologies are going to um, grow and evolve in ways that they become maybe not that one specifically, but like but I would think like that, that one. would be a function or subroutine yeah. of the metaverse. Yeah, you would yeah. be able to do that in the metaverse, right? Right, and from. From yeah, a little, maybe maybe a little bit of last time is that the metaverse uh, is going to be an extension of the internet, and it's the spatial internet basically. So the mm-hmm. things that exist on the internet now, and through these native clients like Steam, um, which we can talk about more uh, next time probably, will probably start to merge into technologies that build on each other, you know, things go well. And so that type of uh, creation engine that, that you just described is, is the kind of thing that will make the metaverse more fun and way more imaginative and emergent than uh, what a lot of these companies will build their technologies to accommodate. So they'll, everyone talks a big game about, about creators and everything. But Oh, the commercial where Facebook announces their name change, which is just really a corporate reality. The product Facebook will still exist. But right. anyway, um, is like a, it's a very disturbing looking, but it's like macrame, uh, yak and tiger playing together. And they go, this is the dimension of imagination directly to camera. It was striking to me how that's the foot they're leading with, right? Is metaverse equals unbridled creativity. Here we go. It's going to be like ready player one. Are you ready? It's the metaverse. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely want to be syn- synonymous with creativity and imagination, which is just ironic because I think that it's a common like you can almost judge what a massive corporation doesn't do or doesn't uh, nurture based on what they say they want to be or want to do. There's just a point where you get too large to pursue goals like you're saying you're not deft enough to pursue that i think imagination and creativity and innovation in the space sort of requires a deftness that meta doesn't have by which i mean the company not right this is going to be confusing they should change back (laughs) (laughs) yeah um well anyways well it's like when it's a terrible name change but like google's 
technically the company that operates Google is now called Alphabet, I believe. Right. But you still say Google for all the Google stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, when I say the word Alphabet, I don't think, but I expect Meta, well, the term Meta is already widely used and Metaverse is going to make it even more so. I just think it's a weirder. I don't often reference the alphabet, I'm realizing. Like, I don't say, you know, well, according to the alphabet, let's all look at the alphabet. Um, Yeah. All right. Back to your notes. What's going on? (laughs) Well, anyways, it actually is is pretty much in line with what you're saying is that uh, Meta and a lot of these other companies that we're talking about today, you know, they were Mm -hmm. built, they were built in the early 2000s, 90s, some of them. And so their business models are grown out of what what we call Web two, right? Which is the which is the content web, uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and Amazon and all this stuff. And mm. with the advent of Web three, which is a lot of different technologies, but one of the big ones that gets talked about here is is uh, you know the crypto uh, technologies. There are a lot of business models and ways of organizing that these companies simply don't have access to. And when they do have access to them, like NFT technologies, they use them in different ways than the crypto native people use them. And Mm -hmm. so when when a, a company like Disney starts to venture into this realm, you start to get this weird, uh, amalgamation of of like legacy ip talk and then adding this nft thing to it right and disney is interesting because they they've got so much ip and they've been working for so long Um, ubisoft the game company just announced that they're looking into every possible way to integrate nfts into Right. Their future games so they're not going to innovate with nft technology you know just like you're saying but i just think it's an interesting real world case that just got announced is ubisoft is like yeah we're going to take all of our existing ips your assassin's creed and all the stuff we have and we're going to add nft stuff to it yeah yeah, yeah. which and you'll see more of early on than you'll see true innovation right right and this is actually i think i think this is actually a really easy uh, it's it's a really easy bet that companies can make. Like, di- let's go back to Disney for a second. They have such tight control over their their properties, right? Mm-hmm. And when they have physical products in meat space, uh, which that's that means the real world, the mm-hmm. non metaverse world, it's immutable by nature, right? Like, if I buy a Disney or a, if a Mickey Mouse plushie, I, I'm not gonna right click a Mickey Mouse plushie and do do something lewd to it right i mean i can make a a video of that but it's not changing the actual mickey mouse doll you could and you have (laughs) wouldn't are you saying it's illegal the videos that i've made with my mickey mouse plushie it's not illegal for me to have a video of me doing anything i want with my mickey exactly it's it's not it's not illegal it's not illegal um but when it's a physical object you have control over that um right when it's a digital object Disney is licensing you the image of Mickey Mouse. So we actually, in some ways, have more control over, 
even though we have this idea of memes just proliferate and the internet's free and it's just in the air, uh, it's not in the way that legally it's not in the way that a real world object is. Oh, for sure. In like, fact, even yeah. your Amazon library, you don't own any of those movies. Amazon can just retcon all, all of your purchases they have, if they want. Well, they have the right to discontinue. I don't know why they would, but let's say yeah, they, they discontinue yeah. the Prime Video service. They have the right to. They don't owe you that you own those movies forever. Right. They don't it's have to ship you a DVD. The, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is... One of the foundational aspects of why NFTs are important to people. Um, And it's also good for a company like Disney because where someone could make whatever crazy stuff out of a Disney property that they want, um, if if there's a line of provenance to an NFT, it may be possible through whatever digital detective work to find out how how it, whatever happened that they don't like happened in the first place. Um, I mean, people, st- there's still unlicensed paintings and, and uh, daycares and stuff that Disney has to prosecute. But for, for things that are more egregious and more commercially focused, it, mm-hmm. it will make it easier for them to figure out wh- what went wrong and where it went wrong. So this is actually pretty good for corporations in addition to consumers too. Um, but the way that they go about it is to use this very closed network of licensors and platforms to create these NFTs for people that we don't know what kind of utility they will even have. Like where are, where will you be able to use them? What formats will you be able to download them in? Once you buy them, I mean, do you have unlimited? Uh, do you have unlimited interoperability? Do you have different three D formats that you can put into different worlds? Uh, it's really yet to be seen. And the way that they're talking is they're going to build, and this is what I was getting at earlier. According to Disney CEO uh, Bob Chapek, he said that Disney is going to build the Disney Metaverse which is one of those problematic things the CEO says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's basically rule number one. There's only one metaverse and you're just playing in it. It's like saying you're going to build the Disney internet, right? Um, And so... Well, there is, you could have a separate, I mean, you can have an intranet, right? Like, can't you have a, you could have a separate internet that's you and five of your friends on a shitty network totally separate from the internet that has like three websites. Wouldn't right. that be uh, and, internet? <laughs> and and that is what when they say that that is what they are That's describing. That's what they're making. And it's like sounds, a shitty little thing that has very little, you know, but it's not connected to the real internet. Well, I mean, let's not be let's not be glib. I guess the the Disney metaverse could be mm-hmm. a tens of billions of dollar uh, platform, right? <laughs> thing. Right, right, right. It could, but be it ridiculous. still won't be as vast and vibrant as the internet i see what you're saying about a versus the yeah and i was actually talking to a some uh my one of the guys i'm i'm building with uh and he was telling me today i didn't know this that google only indexes about four percent of the internet so Mm -hmm. wow i mean the scale of the scale of that 
the keyhole through which we view the internet yeah. is tiny. Like everyone thinks, oh, I'm really good at Google. I get those deep results. You, 99% of the time, 99% of people Google it and click something on the first page. Think about right. that. Yeah. The internet is no longer fed to you in a way where you observe much of it at all. Really. And it's arguable a bunch of that is junk. And it is. That's why it's right. filtered out. But uh, you wonder what you're missing sometimes. <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, that's and that's the model that will perpetuate. Right. If nothing happens, mm-hmm. there will be 10 giant platforms that say they're the metaverse and they'll basically just be platforms. Right. Like like yeah. Blizzard has World of Warcraft. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's have World of Warcrafts forever. And all of this crypto stuff will make NFTs. And the art style will look like that in this whole area of the metaverse. It'll all be branded that way. You'll recognize it as World of Warcraft metaverse. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a website is to the internet as Disney metaverse is to the metaverse, right? Right, exactly. But that's not the way that they're describing it. And because the CEO can't describe what they're building in language that is even in line with the technology that they're talking about. Mm. It makes you wonder how capable they are of imagining something that well, has, yeah. And I, yeah. This, has, has these features. Right. And I know the classic joke is already, or, you know, on Twitter anyway, people have already run this into the ground is like it's going to be tough to invent the metaverse when most people still get motion sick when you put the giant clunky helmet on your face like there's so many technological leaps that need to happen it's pretty early to be calling your shot to be like our name is meta (laughs) we are the metaverse uh when we're just on the cusp of it i also love the hubris of saying um like you were saying earlier, like we are creativity, we are imagination. Here's a macrame tiger talking to some other avatar. Like the hubris of saying that the minds within Meta are the ones that should be conveying what people will imagine uh, mm-hmm. is, I know, necessary from a branding point of view but also arrogant and short-sighted because what they're going to do is they're going to build this sanitized world uh, where imagination and creativity are not the primary intentions, right? It's going to be whatever their business model is. And I I just, I don't know. That seems sad to me. But life finds a way, right? People (laughs) will mod and hack it. There's no way, like, the real metaverse will come just like the real internet came. Yeah. I feel like it's inevitable. And But that is a deeper conversation because the real internet right. was supposed to be open and well, Okay, so that's flowing. my real cynical question that I want to lob at you this whole episode is, and I'll put it this way because it sort of hones it down, is the blockchain, which is a series of nested contractual legal realities, the the popular opinion is that the existence of the blockchain and the goal of the blockchain is anonymity, decentralization, pure meritocracy, democratization, right? Mm-hmm. But by creating an infinitely complex way to tag 
law, basically, or to, to tie you to legal responsibility, isn't there a way in which we're just making like the law itself, the legal apparatus, even more powerful and detailed? And the legal apparatus is often used to oppress and like, you know, criminalize people. So, I mean, that's a, that's a super good point and like totally off topic from talking about centralized platforms, but all right, great. <laughs> but I think we should, I think we should probably talk about it. Um, and it'll, and we can probably come back to it next episode in mm-hmm. uh, more detail, but I mean, it, it is a super good question and to say there's an answer to it would be, I think a lie from anyone. The, right. the but I'm hope, just like, are we? Yeah, to put it in other words, like, are we screwing ourselves later when the IRS suddenly comes in and says, okay, the blockchain's actionable, you want it to be real? It means this and this now. And we, and Congress passed a law that now it means this, and we'll take this from you, you know? Yeah, well, so, so, yeah, this is like multiple different layers, but the SEC and Congress do need to act because they're leaving a lot of very creative, hardworking people in limbo while they're building these systems uh, outside of the normal legal boundaries. And while some people are choosing to go within the normal legal boundaries, the most innovative groups, which are these, the DAOs, the decentralized autonomous organizations, a lot of them are just loosely connected individuals working towards a common goal. And a lot of what they're Mm -hmm. doing is producing value and, and revenue, which does have tax implications, but the legal protections for, for the people doing this are not clear. And there are probably going to be a, a few very difficult court cases that hopefully don't ruin a bunch of people's lives in order to get this straightened out. So Congress needs to act in a way that is not uh, uh, short-sighted. They need to put like a lot of energy to this, not just vote on a lot to say DAOs or corporations now, um, because, because there's a lot that can be done. Um, on the other side of that, with the hope of, of constraining people and, and oppressing people using the blockchain, I think is absolutely uh, a reality that could, that could occur. And I, and I think that with any powerful technology, you're going to have, the responsibility to shepherd it into responsible ways because if something has the power to to do a lot of good someone will also find ways for it to do a lot of damage to people mm-hmm. and that's one of the big criticisms right now is that crypto because it disintermediates so much legal framework um like like ip uh, royalties and things like this um, people can move so quickly and can do, you know, can create le- not legal constructs, but contractual constructs that a lot of other people don't understand. Right. So some of the stuff that we're seeing, some of the hype that we're seeing around NFTs, a lot of that is kind of using people's ignorance and hopes of technology to like, just get rich quick, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what this whole story is about is if you don't work towards the future that you want to see, then mm-hmm. you're going to get stuck with the future that is built 
by the entrenched powers that already exist. And I would argue that a lot of those entrenched powers are not trustworthy. So if you have the means and the energy, this is kind of mm-hmm. a call to action to get this involved. This is the one that speaks to you, yeah? If, if yeah. climate change speaks to you and you're busy doing that, that's acceptable. But if that's, this one that, speaks to you... There are plenty... Of, everyone's got to work together on a lot of different problems. On a lot of shit, yeah. <laughs> and, and, of course, then you bring up the blockchain and climate change. And so now you have uh, technologies mm. that are trying to take the blockchain off of its super energy-intensive... Um, mech, you know, it's uh, and we'll production. need new technologies for that, right? Yeah. Well, and so, so Bitcoin as proof of work doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. But for instance, like Ethereum is moving to proof of stake. It's supposed to reduce energy consumption, and then a lot of these newer blockchains have much, much lower any energy consumption than Bitcoin and Ethereum. So hopefully, that uh, argument against blockchain tech is going right. to be minimized here in the in the near future. Um, oh, that'd be nice. Did you hear the uh, Great Barrier Reef for some reason is recovering? It's nice, right? No, that's nice always to nice hear. to hear. Yeah. Right? Any reason <laughs> yeah. or just like um I don't I there were science reasons and and theories, but it's uh some kind of like anomalously good year where it's recovered recovering to some degree it by no means means oh that problem has gone away but you never see it coming back and i guess it bounced back a lot this year oh which, sound, which is that great. is really Good nice thank you yeah thank you for yeah, this uplifting sure. message <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anyways so we're going to talk more the next next episode is probably going to be like very philosophical and lofty Ooh, i can't wait but yeah yeah this one is much more Hey, let's talk about a bunch of rich people who want to get richer, right? So, mm-hmm. so who's going to do that? And I, the way I kind of see it is very, it's probably very simplistic, but you have games and you have tech giants. And a lot of those tech giants can kind of play in the game arena too. But Well, I've also got to bring up only because this industry genuinely, really historically does push. Like, for example, you know how YouTube now has a little bar graph? Like the play, the ghostly play bar at the bottom of a YouTube video is now a graph that shows you which portions of the video were the most watched. Oh, right, right. Yeah. You know who invented that technology? Who? who? Um, web designers at Pornhub. And oh. porn constantly pushes the limits of not in a classy way and not in a way where it's executed great, but they push the limits of technology because they're quick to jump on. It's actually the reverse. Humans are quick to sexualize anything new and fresh, right? And be like, can I fuck that though? Uh, (laughs) So I'll just say, I assume there will be a sexual metaverse and I uh, aspect to the metaverse. And I bet that it blazes a path. I didn't want them to be left out. You know what? You're right. And I <laughs> am so sorry there is no porn metaverse in this episode. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should make a little addendum because that sounds... Um, I'd be interested in checking legitimately in interesting. <laughs> with like, what are the porn people doing when it comes to haptic feedback and stuff? Yeah. I well, know I mean, for a fact there's a VR game where you wear a blowjob machine and use the VR game. And all joking and all like, ha ha ha, that's dirty aside, that is at the forefront of VR haptic feedback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind of on the cutting edge. 
Yeah, sitting have, there with I'm actually, your dog in a sleeve with do, little massage balls in it. <laughs> it would be really interesting to see how much more, because because with the metaverse stuff, a lot of it is spe- spatial. It's it's kind of like spatial experiences, right? It's not just mm-hmm. playing. It's not just shopping or whatever. It's actually like having a digital space to move around in, right? So right. even in porn, right? Will the well, like almost like a, you remember those anime games, like the anime dating games? Mm-hmm. Like, do you get more complex interactions where sex is actually just the end result and people end up spending a lot more time, you know, building up a fantasy before it's over? Or, or do you just have blowjob machines? <laughs> I don't know. I did review a bunch of porn VR games for a different thing and uh one nine hundred hot dog shout out and there was a there was like a mix it was like half and half games where you would shoot enough evil people to win the right to get a blowjob or like slash enough oh. bad guys with your sword and then you'd have sex with a hot so okay. like those old games you're talking about but instead of uncovering a single anime image you're uncovering a little animation of yourself having sex um and then the other ones were weirdly like there was one called the girlfriend experience where you had to slowly earn the right <laughs> it's like just get to it this is porn come on if this were a video i would skip 40 minutes in to see what's up you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so you that's actually I mean. no, that's super. I didn't know that that was already a thing, like porn video right, games. But what were the the other two? Were giant corporations? Okay, and... so yeah, game, games and, and tech giants, right? So oh, and video start, gaming, right? Yeah, the most so, lucrative industry. So there are a couple. I'm not gonna. There, this could be like many hours long, but there are a couple giant players that we just want to address here to get people thinking about what's happening here. So the first one is, uh, I think. Probably the one that some people would say is closest to building like a metaverse. I'll say that is mm-hmm. Roblox, right? Roblox mm. has been around since I think like 2006, which is pretty insane to think about. It's got 43 million daily users and there are 40 million games built on Roblox. Um, that is pretty mind blowing to me to actually like see written on text. And most of those games are never used. Just like we talked about Google is only 4% of the internet. What are, are they games like dreams where the game can be anything or are they like Robox levels? Oh, they're all, they're all like voxel, but there is a lot of creativity in Roblox, Mm. like squid game. I don't know if you heard a bunch of parents were mad because uh, Roblox is a kid's platform and squid mm-hmm. someone game made squid game again no no not someone like netflix made the squid game oh. roblox game and like now now a bunch of kids are like can i watch squid game oh. but see so, i am instead. having to google roblox yeah i see the squid game one because that's how far and i'm deeply i work at a video game news outfit and i'm deeply steeped in gaming and pop culture my whole life and I just know that Roblox is a game that kids like. Yeah. Is th- what else should I know about it? It's the metaverse because that's that's the takeaway of our mini series. No, but it, in some of the some of like some articles and stuff, people at Roblox will say like, "Oh, some people say we're making the metaverse," and it's like mm. kind of tongue in cheek, like, "Oh well, you know, 
we're not making the metaverse unless that's what you think we are right um so so there's that aspect to it but what roblox is is basically an an interconnected uh directory of games that anyone can make and uh you can monetize those games and you can monetize commerce within the game so there's a lot of stuff that kind of ticks the boxes of the metaverse but it's um yeah but is it a persistent shared virtual universe um that one i is it maintained sure separate from your you know what i mean is it cloud-based well yeah it's it's cloud-based it's cloud-based um it's a native client you download the roblox game and then you kind of have this directory and you can search through stuff but it is cloud-based so dreams which is like my favorite thing that i love to talk about I don't think would qualify as a metaverse other than arguably DreamCon, which is a special thing they do because it's not persistent, right? You, right. You're downloading a module of someone's game they made and you yes. play through it in a bubble and then you put it back in the cloud. Yeah. Um, is Roblox like that or is Roblox No, Roblox on? is more, yeah, it's like a servers that you access. Um, okay. And Dreams is, is wonderful, but it is definitely more game than metaverse platform mm-hmm. for sure although mm-hmm. i think a lot of the techniques that they're using will potentially inform uh how user generated content gets made like how you gamify the, the process of developing yeah. in 3d yeah. space and programming yeah. language yeah. i mean it's beautiful it's a gorgeous game my favorite thing about dreams is how they were able to gamify how programming like you can code behaviors without knowing programming by connecting lines and dots that's pretty impressive yeah, the, the, the no-code um, scripting that they have yeah, is something is that nuts. pretty much every platform should be looking at, I think, to, mm-hmm. to, to figure out. Um, but so Dreams is actually the worst because Dreams is basically like a donor system for content. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't like there's no way to monetize anything on it. They just own they, all your stuff. They say that they're working toward that. Okay, well, <laughs> they're sure taking their time on it. Yeah. Um, but Roblox is not so pretty much all of these uh, game companies are not much better. Roblox only allows creators. So Roblox is only a game creation engine, right? All they do is mm-hmm. let you build other games and they have a directory that facilitates people playing your game. And they mm-hmm. take 70 percent of all of the value that's made on Roblox. So creators wow. and there are creators who make a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. but they're only making 30% of what they could be making. And, you know, you compare right. that to traditional marketplaces like Amazon is like 15% for creators, which is actually pretty high nowadays for physical objects. And then you've got like Etsy, which is 5%, which mm-hmm. a lot of people over the years have said Etsy was not a viable business model because like, how it do you- ripped you off too hard for anyone to survive. Well, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Etsy, Etsy only takes 5%. They oh, give the creators oh, oh, 95%. You're the, that, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you're saying they didn't think they'd be able to fuel themselves. Yeah. And, but but what's happened is, is oh, fr- from the development of Web 2, the digital platforms, like anything that deals in non-physical items, for some reason, maybe it's because of the volume that creators can sell their, um, you know, their creations. They've been able to flip that and take they, yeah, they the take lion's like, share. Yeah, yeah, they take almost all of it. Um, and okay, so Roblox was really revolutionary. They started in 2006. 
Uh, that predates Minecraft by five years even. So they really like pioneered this uh, voxel-based editing mm -hmm. system. And basically over the, you know over the past what 15 years, uh, they have just built this crazy network and the network effects of their platform are just unbeatable, right? So you, you're stuck. Right. If, if you want mm -hmm. if you want to make video games for kids using Roblox or, or any technology like that, you're basically going to give them 70% and you're just going to like it because uh, that that's how they're doing it. Roblox's metaverse, their actual like stated metaverse goals are weird, are kind of cryptic because they have this whole safety mindset, right? Because they're geared towards kids. Because it's for kids, yeah. And, you know, a lot of their, some of, some of the communications I saw from like on their blog and stuff were talking about like how they're going to integrate voice chat and it seems like everything they do has to be so calculated because any misstep with with children is rightfully uh, scrutinized at a, a much much more right. strictly than anything else, right? So I see them as really unable to to play a big part in this kind of new freewheeling vision of the metaverse that I think we all have. You don't have. think like, they could launch a separate program for adults and take uh, the world, the metaverse world by storm by saying like the same company is now like, now we have Roblox, but for adults, here you go. If you were Roblox and you were already. So how rich. much, how much yeah. are they worth? They're worth, they're worth like $72 billion. I looked it up. Nintendo's worth fifty-two billion. So Roblox, yeah. which is just a thing to make games for kids, is mm -hmm. worth much more, more than, than Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. So I, I mean, that kind of tells you wh where their incentives lie. Um, but they are probably going to be a big part of things as it emerges. It's just going to be very difficult for them. Because it's There's some kind of limit on it. Because yeah. of the voice chat thing as well, yeah. Well, I mean, they'll get voice chat. I, I saw they're experimenting with voice chat and stuff. It's just everything has to be scrutinized Slow. and and like black hatted every single yeah. way because whatever horrible thing you can imagine someone's gonna do, they're they're gonna do it right. So you have to lock it down in ways that probably we just can't even imagine as people right. who don't work at Roblox. <laughs> And if um, listeners don't know, the term black hatted means getting hackers to do the worst things possible to test your program and be like, oh, yeah, you did get you got the child pornography uploaded to our screen. That's bad. We got to fix that. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or not even hackers, just like someone who People has a voice chat who's going to be like yeah. saying lewd stuff. I'm to just going to yell racial epithets and right. see if you hear me. Well, the system failed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the next one is uh, is Fortnite, and mm -hmm. Fortnite's probably more recognizable to you, right? Like, have you? Yeah. Then Roblox. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> so just just to say, like, even though I'm pretty uh, idealistic on all this stuff, and all, mm -hmm. all these platforms are are kind of not what I want in the end, I love epic and like i can't even tell you how many hours of unreal tournament i played in middle school from <laughs> middle school mm -hmm. high school probably um so i think they're pretty incredible and the unreal engine is also a pretty important part of this story uh as well but fortnite itself is a 
for those who don't know, which is probably nobody, is a battle royale game, um, which if you actually think about is very technically difficult. Um, the number of people that exist on these servers is way higher right. than anything that we had as kids, right? And it only works. The game only feels fair if there's relatively no lag between all those people and they're all doing sophisticated movements in 3D space. It's pretty tough. Yeah. And I think so. I think um, that really only became possible in like 2017. That's why there was no mm -hmm. Battle Royale before that. Um, and Fortnite's free to play and it's grown in ways that are actually this, this is kind of the coolest thing, right? Epic built this game where you fight each other in big groups. And what happened? People turned it into a social network. It, like something happened to it that Epic probably would have never predicted, right? And that's kind of the whole magic of the metaverse, I think, is you're going to set up these constructs and then it's going to be tested and twisted and turned into things that you just don't even expect. Um, and that's that's the, the beauty of it. So Fortnite is is like one of the biggest social networks now, as, as far as I know, for for especially like the younger crowd. I don't think people our age just go and on Fortnite. do they Fortnite just go fact. into the lobby and voice chat? What do they do? Yeah, you just go hang out. Yeah. Just go hang out in, in Fortnite. No, no, you don't need to fight. But doesn't just... the gas get, or doesn't the map get smaller and smaller till you die? Is that not part of it? Oh, you can just be in the lobbies and stuff, yeah. Oh, I see. And, uh, okay. I guess that makes sense. What's your thought on Epic suing Apple about Apple has Fortnite in its game store and then Epic was making money off of Fortnite and Apple said, you can't do that. You can't monetize the game within the game. This is our scam. We monetize the game. And uh, Epic split off and made the Epic store and is suing Apple to be like, yes, we can. No, everyone can monetize what they need to. Are you pro that? I mean, are you pro Epic in that case? Because that's, I feel like that is trying to pave the way for the creators of things get to monetize those things in the metaverse, right? So I will say that I think that the app stores, specifically the Android app store and the Apple app store, are mm -hmm. abominations of Web 2 that, <laughs> okay. that are some of the most extractive exploitative mechanisms that these corporations have come up with because they literally uh, are just aside from we're surveillance the channel where this is just a box where you get everything else you just come yeah. here to get all the things yeah yeah and we control it and we're going to take what 30 percent man yeah or maybe for nothing I, yeah for we're nothing. just which the is the same man. as roblox right um mm. so aside from surveillance capitalism i think that's like the worst thing that that has come out of all of all, all this. Right. and we just accept it, right? We just yeah. accept it. Now, I will say that wake up, sheeple. That epic doing. Oh God, am I am I Alex Jones? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's that's no good. A little bit. Oh God, I saw a kid. I, I went to go pick uh, my kid up from school, and I, one of the parents had an Alex Jones shirt, and I was like, mm -hmm. No, where are we? <laughs> this is this is scary. Um, but anyways, I also maybe I'll go down this rabbit hole a little bit more. But Epic is not an egalitarian company, right? Like they're doing that because Apple was taking thirty percent of their profits, mm -hmm. and they had the the weight and the money to actually fight Apple. And now right. they've created this Epic Game Store, which is I think what do they get? 
12, I think they, they take 12%, which is much mm-hmm. more reasonable, um, or, or maybe 15%. Uh, I have it written down somewhere. But I, and I actually heard that Tim Sweeney, the CEO, wanted to do it much lower, but their board said no, probably. Like that was the compromise position between yeah, cap- yeah. pure unbridled capitalism and the guy who wants the future to be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I think it was great that they did it. And I think that they're important, but they are still, they're still running. No matter how much Tim Sweeney seems to believe all this stuff himself, he's still in charge of a multi-billion dollar company that has stakeholders that demand something from it and will not allow a a true change, of course, right? It's it's the whole steering a a big ship thing. Uh, You just can't. You can't make these wild shifts like someone in the crypto space can do. But Fortnite itself, just just to throw shade at Epic a little bit, they only give so you, people can monetize on Fortnite, and you have to be mm-hmm. like vetted and accepted into their creator program, and they only give creators five percent of the wow. sales of what they. What? Why would anyone even waste their time? And I guess it's because they're so they're 350 million users. And that's why. But the platform is so, big, yeah. So exploitative. I just couldn't even believe when I saw that. Um, on the other hand, Tim Sweeney. Outside of Fortnite, Epic also makes the Unreal Engine, which is probably the most powerful game engine that is available to outside creators, right? Like Disney. I guess, quote unquote, films the Mandalorian with the Unreal Engine. Like all, right. The whole world was made with the Unreal Engine, like a video game. Um, there's also the Unity Engine, uh, which is also very popular. But the Unreal Engine has, I mean, it just makes AAA looking stuff, right? Like everything is gorgeous with it. And it has very Unreal complex. Unreal 5 coming soon, looking yeah. good. Yeah, and, uh, and it's pretty good. Uh, the the I guess the one problem, if you want to take this to its extreme, is that it still demands fees from people uh, to use, and then it also has uh, a, oh, it looks like a set an additional seven percent. So it's a five percent fee for using the Unreal Engine, and then seven percent for items sold in the in the uh, in games using the Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. So it's a much much scaled down version of the Apple App Store as far as the the extractive. Um, model that they have but unreal still controls how it works so tim sweeney and the board can make can make edicts basically that would radically change the developer landscape and the user landscape too Mm -hmm. they can make interoperability if they want they can also close that interoperability so while these things are powerful and they're so so alluring to use if you take a step back and you and you think of the metaverse as the internet rather than as uh, a thing like unreal right or fortnite or roblox these tools making up the foundation of the metaverse is kind of a scary thought to me mm. um there are open source tools that can be alternatives to these. And 
I would say that, you know, in the next episode, we'll talk more about it, but we should really be looking to those solutions to see if we can build them up. And those uh, are the it, true heroes of the metaverse that we should be flocking to their technology and using their shit. I, I can't even, so I, I am biased. I'm actually starting to work on projects in this space. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not just like a casual observer anymore in this, but there are people who have been toiling for over a decade to make these technologies ready for right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're, in, they're pretty advanced and they, and they need, a, they need some love to compete with the likes of unreal engine, but the, you know, the idealism and the intent behind them is, is pretty pure. So, um, you know, as we move forward and as you decide audience to make your virtual worlds, just, just make sure you're understanding that the architecture choices that you make will impact the business models that follow your incentives as you, uh, as you start to develop your own business models and, you know, kind of the, the virtuous cycle of the technologies that evolve to, to further create the metaverse. It's my, yeah. my soapbox for that one. <laughs> Do good stuff now or bad stuff will happen to you later. Now on the other side, okay, so we talked about games a little bit. Got, I mean, barely a taste, right? Just the two biggest mm-hmm. platforms pretty much. Um, but on the other side, you have these like hard tech giant companies, right? Like the Fang kind of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everyone's got their metaverse play that, that they're going to talk that they're going to do, but... We're just going to talk about NVIDIA and Meta. And NVIDIA is a little bit more interesting because they're not, they're more of an enabler of the metaverse. Um, and then, of course, Meta we'll just cover because we've been talking about them the entire time. But, but so NVIDIA is great. Um, I've had GeForce graphics cards since like, what, early high school, probably. They're always sure. wonderful. When you were playing all that Quake. All that Quake, all my Rainbow Six, and my mm-hmm. Unreal Tournament, and all that Ding stuff. Ding Chavez, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I didn't ever get into Counter-Strike. I played Rainbow Six like a weirdo for some reason. Um, but NVIDIA does a lot more than just hardware these days. Um, they have this thing called PhysX, which is a physics, a really advanced physics engine. And this Omniverse platform... And the Omniverse platform is like an enterprise level simulation environment. And I think their their newest thing is that they're going to build something called Earth 2, which is a mm-hmm. digital twin of Earth to do like climate change research, like wow. scientific research to model, to actually try to model different, the, you know, the different things we can do. Butterfly flapping its wings, causing the hurt, you know, yeah, like actually, yeah. yeah, be predictive. Yeah. And, um... While that itself, you know, the code for that, I don't think is open source. And they do charge quite a bit of money to use like the uh, Omniverse digital twin engine. Mm -hmm. NVIDIA does open source a ton of stuff. And they do some of the most interesting uh, AI research. Like so like outside of Facebook and Google NVIDIA does so much computer vision research. And I don't know, did you hear that their CEO gave a, a, like a, a corporate keynote and there were portions of the keynote that were entirely computer generated and nobody knew oh. they, 
They only announced oh. it like months afterwards. That's great. So yeah, NVIDIA is, it's, it's kind of unclear to me. And if anyone like hears this and has more insight into their actual metaverse intentions, I'd love, I'd love to know. It's kind of unclear to me how they will play in it. Um, mm. But it, I, it doesn't sound like they're going to try to build the metaverse. They seem like a general infrastructure layer that people that like most everyone will just be building on, right? We're all going to have NVIDIA graphics cards and, and the physics we'll have, of the metaverse will run on physics or whatever. It, it could run on physics. Um, although that's actually a super interesting question is for the metaverse to exist in the way that is talked about in like ready player one and it has and Snow to agree Crash. upon laws of physics. It, it does. Which think about that for a second. We have to establish is, and decide what should the physics of the metaverse be? How floaty is jumping in the metaverse? Right. Is it a twin to our universe where you just jump earth gravity height uh, based on your, you know, BMI or your avatar's mass, or can you jump slightly higher because to get around the metaverse and avoid crowds, we all have to, you know, be able to jump up to second level like man there's a lot of decisions to be made well every world can probably have its own gravity and stuff that's um, true there are other things so the way that like think about like world of warcraft you have swords that do things right mm. and the swords are made out of steel or whatever fantasy material you have <laughs> but but they all have they all have um characteristics right like they have material characteristics that Blizzard defines and it works within Blizzard. But what if Blizzard wanted to let you bring a sword to Fortnite or something? Then those those two systems have to agree on what a sword the material characteristics are. Right? Yeah. So that kind of leads you down a road of developing actual physical characteristics Realities. the way that you would yeah. in like if you were doing a simulation for or an if engineering you were God problem. creating the universe <laughs> well like you actually have to decide the fundamental fabric of reality yeah and that's going to be pretty this tough that's is what a sword is yeah and that's why a lot of people say well this metaverse thing's never actually going to happen because there's no never way to get off the ground <laughs> there's no way a bunch of people are going to agree on all the stuff that potentially lowers the value of their own platform or how imagining how frequently it'll be like oh i tried to bring my sword from this room into this room and the metaverse crashed like the metaverse is just constantly going i don't know i don't know i can't deal with this you know yeah. like yeah will we get yeah. there interesting i mean there, yeah there's a for a long long time it's probably going to be you have a bunch of crap that you can carry around with you and then you just can't use most of it in a lot of places mm -hmm. but that also seems like if you have that inventory system and people have all the stuff that they can carry around with them, it seems like it would incentivize people to try to figure out ways to make all that stuff work together. Because if, if you It'd have be a place... Like, oh, the, remember three years ago when the free Britney bracelets were huge in the metaverse. Now everyone has them, but they don't do anything anymore. Let's make our burger stand react to the free Britney bracelets <laughs> that everyone has. Yeah, there's like a built-in incentive to connect to other products and to make your thing reactive to other products. It reminds me of the Universal City Studios or whatever it's called. Universal Studios Hollywood uh, 
Harry Potter land where you buy the wands that you have to pay for, but then yeah. the wand reacts with various shit around the <laughs> sculpted <laughs> environment. Pay $60 for a wand that lights up when you get close to something. Well, it's like an RFID chip, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's in. But it's the same logic, right? And it's interesting that it would be like if the Orange Julius down the street was like, "Yeah, let's make it so our thing interacts with that Harry Potter wand." Yeah, and that's more feasible in the metaverse where you just load up your, you pay a licensing fee to load up the Unreal ah. Engine and make your changes. And see, that's the problem is if you if you have a bunch of people who are beholden to a bunch of other people, licensing that's when they fees, won't do it. You gotta, you gotta make yeah. it. And that's the next one, the open metaverse. Okay, but, great. So this metaverse, even even NVIDIA, will ha- it, it has stakeholders and incentives that will make it difficult for it to make truly free tools unless they can figure out ways TFTs. That, that those tools... Uh, what's that? TFTs. It wasn't oh. worth repeating. Oh, sorry. Cut that out. It's like an <laughs> NFT, but for tools. Oh, that flew right over my head sorry um yeah but it'll be tough <laughs> completely derailed you <laughs> completely that, derailed me good um that's that's how you know that's how my brain works um but anyways yeah nvidia unclear what they're gonna do i assume they're gonna be working on tooling um how open that tooling is yet to be seen they have a pretty good track record with their research um but mm. you know We'll see. We'll see over the next couple of years how they how they work out. And the final one is Meta. And Ooh, I just Meta want, World Peace. Yeah, Good Meta. Basketball. Meta, the appropriators of Neil Stevenson's word. Um, I will. I want to say like we've been pretty much complaining about Meta the entire two episodes so far. But I will say that Mark Zuckerberg at least seems to understand like. Like he's read Snow Crash, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unlike most. Oh, he of... actually understands the term and uses it functionally. Yeah, like he even says, and the the corporate stance of Meta seems to be like, no, there's no way we're making the metaverse. We're just going to be a giant part of the metaverse that dictates all of its rules and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uses single Facebook single sign on, and like and... we'll try to use our big strong money and market share to make sure that our sword, our definition of the materials of sword, that one wins, or that's what most places abide by, right? So well, they aren't. Well, yeah, where your the digital metaverse. identity is Facebook, and they can do their surveillance they capitalism wanna, across the entire metaverse, and you know, they want to have as much sway in the metaverse as possible, and they're starting early. Yeah, right. Um, and they are very early to the point that a lot of people are like, the metaverse doesn't exist not, yet. You know, yeah, you're not going. And, <laughs> and I mean, you know, to give a little credit, the the guy is changing his entire corporate identity to do this 10 years, probably before it's really fully come to fruition and he's making money off of it. So mm-hmm. um, got to give a little credit, but that's like, giving the empire a little credit for building the death star. (laughs) I feel like, um, Mm -hmm. they also are doing things that are seen as very attractive. Like if you watch the meta keynote, they're going to give creators 95%, kind of like an Etsy model. They've barely taken Mm -hmm. anything, um, for facilitating commerce. And that is so awesome. But, Facebook's entire model is giving you quote unquote free stuff 
like the tools to build these worlds and allowing you to capture a lot of your value because that value is actually much lower than the value of their true business model, which is, which is data mining, right? Which is data mining and the controlling (laughs) of our attention and, you know, what, and what, what we do and look at, um, and I think so their that incentive that, for making the metaverse tool, they're basically employing the same strategy they always have, which is, oh, yeah, come to Facebook and hang out. It's free because what Facebook is, is you make a, you say interesting things or take good pictures or videos and you put them there and we watch and we learn about you and then we tell advertisers exactly who's going to buy this and we make sure you see the ad. That's where our money comes from. It's, uh, But that's also, it's interesting only in that it's fascinating to me that over the course of human commerce, that seems to be one of the only methods we've come up with for how to keep money in circulation and keep the system afloat is advertising. Like, it's crazy to me that everything boils down to, you know, you pay for the right to hold up a sign of your product. And that supports everything. That supports like the arts and theater and film and gaming and everything. It all boils down to advertising. And this is one of the most far, one of the one of the loftiest and most difficult to understand parts of Web three, which we can talk mm-hmm. about a little bit next time. Um, but there are movements of people are trying to find ways around that um and while make the metaverse's blood pump targeted advertising yeah right right (laughs) that would be fascinating and phenomenal yeah but that's not to say it's easy right like there's a reason why all of these companies ended up growing up the way they did because that's what that's who has the money and they found ways to optimize exactly for that business model, right? Um, But the point of it is, is that no matter what Meta says, their track record is horrible. Uh, Their respect of people's privacy and autonomy is just non-existent. And for them to change their business model to, to something that doesn't demand that kind of exploitation is really, really difficult and rigorous, to honestly. Imagine. Yeah, and your dad doesn't even bring in the recent, you know, admissions that have like. It's not really the point of this podcast, but it is true that Facebook slash Meta has admitted to like, oh yeah, we radicalize people politically because our algorithm's good at that too. We know that's happening. We don't care. Um, there's ways in which you could argue that Meta nay Facebook is responsible for things like the July 6th Capitol riots in a very real way, or, you know, that they're a major part of that and, uh, knowingly so. So I don't think they'd have what you call corporate scruples. We all saw the social network. Yeah. He's a little, he's a little avaricious nerdlinger. <laughs> well, I, I won't, I won't even, I think it's actually s- way worse than that because I would imagine most of the people in, in Facebook meta, including Mark Zuckerberg, are horrified by some of the stuff that happens because of their algorithms. I'm sure they justify but, to themselves by saying like, oh, we're a huge, huge company. Bad shit happens sometimes. Look at all the good we do. There's ways to rationalize right. these things to yourself. Well, not only that, 
but they say they want to change. But then when it comes down to it and those changes are put on paper and the actual algorithms exist that can change them, what does that do to the business model? It mutes it, right? And then the, mm-hmm. the shareholders are unhappy and then the stock goes down and then Facebook stops growing and then they can't make the metaverse, right? So there's like, they're, they're just stuck. They're stuck in this, in this system that they just won't be able to escape from. Um, and uh, not only that, but because they have so much attention, they're almost like a Roblox too, right? Like anything they do, any misstep that happens, people are just going to be screaming for Mark Zuckerberg's blood. <laughs> and so what we're going to get is a super vanilla metaverse where it's just like Wii Sports. You know, have you have you seen their video? It's like, as have you seen Horizons? tame and bland as possible, but then at the same time, it secretly exploits you as hard as possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's the worst it is case what scenario. It is, but mm-hmm. but but it is it, but if we don't do anything other than that, then that is the reality we will get and um and we'll all probably like it cuz we just kind of accept things as they come. But it's not the best way and it's not what You're we need to have. You saying that will be we will accept well that's the metaverse because that's what it is. So that's what we got. Um, but you're here to say that doesn't have to be, we could have a much better one. (laughs) Yeah. We can have one that's wild and imaginative Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit messy, but I think, uh, I think most people would think that's worth it. Um, And then you can always go to the meta part of the metaverse, which would be more safer or Roblox. Um, but the point here is that I think these centralized we call them like the centralized walled garden platforms are going to try to start building the metaverse or at least influence the way the metaverse uh, operates based on business models right not on not on uh, organic growth or bottoms up design right they have intention and an, and they have an agenda right corporations have roadmaps and and revenue targets and things like that um and so the next episode is going to be talking about basically, you know, the rebels, the people who are doing that bottoms up design um, in different ways. Some people still very uh, profit focused and some people much more focused on on designing something like what the beginnings of the Internet were. Um, but, you know, the idea is that through the hopeful cooperation of these large numbers of small projects that the architecture of this thing that we're calling the metaverse is influenced in ways that drive it to be much more equitable and inclusive than what these companies uh, kind of espouse as being equitable and inclusive, right? It's easy for Meta to say they're inclusive because anyone can use Meta, but is inclusivity and and an equitable environment really surveilling people and giving them advertisements that might exploit their need for payday loans and things? Um, I, I would argue that, that that is not what we want. Ready access to, you know, relatively consequence-free expression, I think, is... Right. Not just the content, right? It's not just access to content. Um, I think that's a lot of what 
the messaging is from the side that's kind of like meta. This the side that's demanding you give up your data for access to things. Um, and so we'll learn what these other people are doing. How we'll save this, like what we can do. Yeah. Is that is that the next topic? Okay, great. That would make sense to me. But yeah. I don't know the topic ahead of time. Great. Or at least it's going to be the uh, it will then be the actual platforms. I think the platforms oh, okay. will be the next one, and then uh, we'll talk about lesser-known platforms that are kind of doing it right, and what we can learn right. from that. Great. And then the, that and then the fourth one is like we can actually do like a call to action of what are the what are the, maybe the steps of the you know who what are all these like governance models and how how can corporations change in the metaverse and things like that. Cool. And of course, we'll have another Jesus Christ Superstar track. So stay tuned next time on science or whatever. We love you. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating. So make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!